Welcome to PhD with Women on IT Hack the Future. My name is Beata Young and today's PhD Positivity Hack Delivered will be by our guest Rita Ernst. Topic? Show up positive. Let me remind you, this is a grassroots community that focuses on women on IT, an inclusive forum of women in technology, startups, and female leaders who are supported by men as well. And I bring heart to that hustle because empathy is my mojo. And empathy is critical when you are showing up positive. Before we start our show, let me tell you about great achievements of women in tech and startups and entrepreneurs. Congratulations to Dr. Cara Lynch for winning the 2023 L'Oreal UNESCO for Women in Science Rising Talent Award for Physical Sciences that was held at London in April. The awards recognize exceptional early career women scientists in the UK and Ireland. Kudos to Code First Girls for winning the award of excellence in learning and development category at the G Digital Revolution Awards held at Intercontinental Park Lane in London. And finally, congratulations and good luck to our lovely guest today, Rita Ernst, for being nominated as the most positive management consultancy in the 8th Annual Influential Business Women Award 2023. We wish you all the best, Rita. Thank you. Yes, I was so surprised um, to receive that award, to even be nominated to, to that organization. But I am all about celebrating it, and I so much hope that this becomes a category that they keep in perpetuity. Well, so surprised. Oh, I've got to dig into why you were so surprised. You should be positive with you about your achievement. But before we talk about it, let's go back to our topic, show up positive. Life can be tough. How we behave in the face of adversity can make all the difference. By cultivating a positive attitude, we can transform challenges into opportunities and live a more fulfilling life. In this episode 102 of Positivity Hug Delivered, we will dive into the power of positive thinking and explore practical strategies for cultivating a positive mindset. Our guest, Rita Ernst, owner of Ignite Your Extraordinary an organizational consulting practice emphasizing the convergence of happiness and productivity to create positive, committed, high-performing companies. Rita is also the author of the book Show Up Positive. Whatever your mindset, whether you're struggling with negative thoughts and emotion or just looking for ways to improve your overall well-being, this episode is for you. We want you to succeed and we want you to be positive. So Rita, let's start with a simple question. Where in the world are you today? I am in Louisville, Kentucky. We're getting ready to celebrate the Kentucky Derby. The running is this Saturday. The greatest two minutes in sports is about to happen. So it is a holiday season in Louisville. 
I'm happy to be in Poland at the moment, ladies and gentlemen, beautiful city Poznan. We don't have that many chicken like uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken. I think everybody <laughs> is thinking about KFC at the moment. However, Poznan is well known for goats. All the things. Anyway, Rita, you have to explain to us why you had a moment of surprise where you when you got that award. I um well, one, it came from a UK organization. So I I was surprised because I wasn't sure how much awareness I've still been working very hard to move outside of the US. Of course, I started locally and moved regionally, and I'm finally starting to to make more connections internationally. And um, so that was that was sort of the main impetus of the surprises. Oh, somebody in UK knows about the work, and um, in most of the time, these categories tend to be a very typical thing. So I, I didn't see myself matching any of these for something of that nature. So it, that was the other part of the surprise was that um, it, the, the genuine appreciation for the show up positive movement and the work that I'm trying to move, that it resonated with this uh, group of panelists who juried the selection committee. That, that, I, that was a very pleasant uh, moment for me to know that, that I had hit the mark with them. Oh, absolutely. I think positivity is attractive. Maybe you tell us why. I I agree. I think positivity is attractive, although I think it's gotten a bit of a, a negative moment, a, a lot of conversation about toxic positivity that I wasn't even aware of until after I finished writing my, my book or I was maybe in the middle of the book and then I was like, oh, I think I'm going to have to address this a little bit. But to me, positivity is about really being in your integrity. It's about living an authentic life. So it's not that you have to be happy, happy, happy all the time, or that you're not allowed to have a full range of emotions. All emotions are beneficial and helpful. However, when we get stuck in our negative conversation, when we get stuck in our negative emotions, that's not helpful. Like the best example I just heard is imagine that you put your hand on a hot stove and you don't pull it away. What's going to happen is you're, you're going to, to damage that skin. I think the same thing can happen to us when we spend too long in negative emotions. So we want to, to understand and, and take away the information and the learning when we have our negative moments, but we don't want to just sit in those and allow those to be destructive to the broader impact that we want to have as as people as human beings in the world well rita i wanted to ask you because you traveled quite a lot recently you've been to uh, lake cuomo i love that place um and i think there is a lot of um you know burden of national national approach i mean me as Paul, Paul uh, we've been raised in a kind of romantic, but also sad poetry, sad pictures, dark colors. Mm. And, you know, if I look outside, there is very little sun. So that definitely has an impact uh, into our approach. If you ask average American, how are you doing? He's going to say, great, thank you. 
Whereas in Poland, usually he's like, oh my goodness, this happened wrong, this was wrong, and I missed the flight, and and then. So it's a completely different approach. Do you see it also across different nations? I think that what we know scientifically, data-wise, is that when you ask people this very simple question, overall, how do you feel about your life um, right now? People who say more positive things about how they feel about their life, so who rate their their lives as being a more po- in a po- more positive place than in a more negative place, they have better health outcomes than the people who, who are more negative about where they are in their life. So we know it, it, and that transcends the globe. It doesn't matter where you are. They, these, this research has been conducted and all over the globe and it's the same finding over and over again. So, you know, we, we are one being our mental and our physical and our spiritual, they are all connected. And so this idea of finding harmony I think really is true no matter where in the world that you are. And we now have the data to stand behind that. Well, uh, no matter what your mindset is, I hope you're going to have a positive outcomes from today's topic. And I encourage you to make a comment, say a word or ask a question or share your stories. We have Jane talking to us. Hello, Beata and Rita. Looking forward to watch the show. Absolutely. So am I thrilled about what other data you can bring. So you mentioned toxic positivity. Tell us what's it about and how to spin it around and have the positive positivity. Well, hello, Jane. Thank you for tuning in. I'm so glad you're with us today. And greetings to everyone else that has joined us for the live. And if you're replay, make sure you hashtag replay. Let us know that you are here. We would love to to be able to comment back to you. So toxic positivity is when we suppress our emotions, especially our negative emotions. And we tell ourselves that we're not allowed to feel anything negative. We're not allowed to feel all the things that we are actually experiencing. So it's, it's puts us in this place of, of inauthentic being. And what we know is when we put on that mask, when we pretend we, we are damaging our, ourselves psychologically but because we are creating this space of that's not good enough, or you're not allowed to be that way. And we're creating this dichotomy within our own psychology, which is not helpful to us at all. However, you know, in, because people do tend to get stuck, um, we are actually biologically designed to give more attention to negative things that happen to us. It's part of our survival instinct. And because we tend to do that, and as you said, um, there are people who are just more naturally inclined to lean in and talk about all the things that are going wrong in their lives. A lot of people think that their responsibility is to encourage others to be more positive. Chin up. Don't worry about it. It'll be okay. And that is not always so helpful. So that's what toxic positivity came from, especially in the workplace, which is where I focus my practice, is this idea that at work, it's just 
um, fake it till you make it, put a smile on it, just pretend things are better. If you don't look at it, just, you know, the, the monkey, see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. If, you know, if you just pretend all those things that are not sitting right with you will be okay. You can just pretend that they're not really a problem. And that is toxic positivity. And it, it, it's clear just in hearing it explain why it's not helpful, I think. Oh, absolutely. So how to create a healthy habit to uh, allow ourselves for being true to ourselves and but also welcome positivity into our lives. So in the book that this was the number one premise, you know, like you hit the main premise of the show a positive book. What I wanted to do was I wanted to give people that ability to cultivate that practice into their lives. And so I created in the second half of the book, um, this section called the, the show up positive sparks. And it's 50 words that are examples of behaviors and attitudes that you can cultivate to be more positive in your life every day. And so there is mindset work that you do to shift your own thinking. And then there's behavioral work, but it's always starts with what matters to you. It's not about, you have to let go of fixing others. It's not about fixing others. It's about saying, what is the positivity I want to bring into my life right now? And so I'll give a really simple example in your workplace. If people are always have their heads in their phones and they're not really making eye contact and they're not really building community and connecting well together like they used to, and you want to see that change, you want to get back to that place, you take a simple behavior like welcoming. Welcoming is just greeting people when they enter a room, when you pass them in the hallway and you just say, you know what, for the next week, I'm just going to work on showing up as a welcoming member of my team. I'm going to look people in the eye. I'm going to say good morning. I'm going to say hello when they walk into a room. I'm going to say goodbye to them at the end of the day. And I'm just going to start to create that and, and see how that feels to me if I'm the one that's doing it. And you know what, I'll see who else might reciprocate. Hmm. And if they don't reciprocate, how to chin up. Yeah. Well, it's not even, you don't even have to have the chin up. If you know what, what I have asked people, we have, we do these practices when I have them together in workshops. And what I guarantee you is when you start behaving in ways that you want, that fill your cup, when you ask, what do I want more of in the workplace? And then you choose to be the one that starts bringing that you automatically get a positivity bump just for what you do. It doesn't matter always if somebody else gives it back. I mean, there are some core practices that I recommend everybody lean into. One of them is appreciation and recognition. Just taking a moment when you see somebody at work doing something that you think you should express some gratitude for or they should have a little recognition, just saying thank you. And when you do that, when I encourage people to write thank you notes to one another, and when you do that, you will automatically feel a shift inside of your own body. And if you don't believe me, just try it, just practice it. But the number one thing I would love everybody to walk away with is if you are having a really bad day or a really bad moment in your day, if you can step away with a little post-it note pad or or a sheet of paper, pen, maybe you got a 
the bathroom stall, that's okay. And take a moment, pick anybody in your life, it could be at work or not at work, and just write a note of appreciation to that person for, for whatever's on your heart at that moment. I guarantee you it will lift your day. And you can just go to that every day, anytime that you need it as a place to recenter your mind and your soul back into a more positive space. That's beautiful. Speaking of appreciation, we have got a comment from Tosca, who is saying, excited to be here with you, Rita Arns, positivity influencer, feral author in Culture Impact. You follow up to show up positive. Fantastic to hear from you, Tosca. I guess that's the new uh, connection from your trip to Italy, is it? Well, no, um, Tosca and I connected, we are co-authoring. There's a, a group of maybe 12 of us that are all practitioners in the culture space. And we are co-authoring this book called Culture Impact Together. It's going to come out on June the 9th. And I'm very excited. I wanted to do a follow-up book to show up positive, but this year was not feeling like the right year. There's still so much around the show up positive movement. So many other places I need my energy right now. And so I found this group of women who share my passion about really building workplaces that bring humanity back to the workplace and treat people as the humans that we are and build this place where people are actually invited to be the best versions of themselves. And they're offering this book to give small and medium-sized business owners this guidance around how to do that. I love the fact that you um, make a letter of appreciation, no matter how small that might be, because it creates this uh, snowball effect of you give something and somebody may give it to somebody else. So it definitely creates and radiates uh, along the company. So um, what would be your advice to some of the business owners or let's say startup mentors or startup entrepreneurs who are trying to make money and they just focus on money and team building is so tricky on top of that all? What would be your approach? How to build a strong connection with your team and as you said be human and recognize this humanity and sometimes it may mean that we may not be that positive i mean our team members may not be that positive right well we know from self-determination theory which is it comes from the field of psychology that for people to be their best in the workplace they need three essential things one autonomy. So they need control over their own work and some freedom and movement in their work. Secondly, they need contribution. So they need to know that they're doing something meaningful and that matters that uh, they can take pride in. And then the last piece of what they need is um, they need to, they need belonging. They need community. They need to feel like they're a part of, of a group of people um, that are collaborating together. So no matter what size your business is, just focus on those three things. And when you start to see your numbers drop off, if you're seeing a loss in productivity, if you're seeing uh, more mistakes that are happening, 
instead of leaning into process fixes, I encourage you to lean first in to understanding what's going on with your peer and check on those three things. Where are we on autonomy? Have we changed a bunch of stuff and people are just feeling at sea and they're not feeling secure anymore in their work. And so we just have to help them get back to competency. Is there, is something broken in contribution? Is something fallen apart that we can heal and make better? Or is there an issue with belonging? You know, when teams grow super fast, a lot of times you don't have time to build the relationships the way that you need to. And so you need to spend a little time there. But if you can focus on those three things, that is the best place that you can start. And again, it's science. The science tells us that when people experience those three things, they are then able to bring their fullest self to your party, which is which is doing whatever you do for your customers and making your customers your biggest fans. So um, there is a self-interest here, Rita, I have to tell you, because uh, behind the scenes, we talked about how this year has been very difficult for me. Um, mm. You know, life's been throwing all the negativity and uh, I really I found it very hard to find the positive side of things. What would be your number one advice? How to not think of so you know, much about the negativity in your life, because my first answer was like, oh, I wish this year would end by, I think it was by April. Um, so what would be advice to Beata Young who said, I wish this year was over? Well, I think the first thing that you should do is give yourself permission to honor any negative emotion that comes up. I learned something while I was in Como at the World Happiness Summit, and that is when something, especially something negative happens, um, we, we have that moment where we experience that. And then we have this like 90 second window to sort of do a mental reset that helps lower our stress level. And I think that um, what we know physiologically that happens to people is that because we are no longer, most of us in the civilized world, not running away from from tigers and panthers and other animals, lions that want to, to eat us for dinner. Um, we, our fight or flight system has adapted so that our everyday trials and tribulations spark that same um, part of our brain and of, of our physiology a threat. And so we experience this threat, which is a negative event like you were talking to me about. And then we sort of have this 90 second window when we would like pause and say, oh, is that a real threat? Is that really a, a tiger or a panther in the tree that's going to, you know, jump on top of my head and kill me? Do I need to run? Is it a bear? Do I need to like roll up in a ball and pretend like I'm dead? What's the best thing for me to do? Um, so we, we have this space where we uh, basically decide how big of a risk and what's the right solution to this risk. And then we execute accordingly. So if in that case, if, 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 if the, if the bear is not really coming our direction, it's scared and it ran off in the opposite direction, we go, Whoo, okay, that's good. But when it is one of these other issues 
of our day-to-day -day tribulations, instead of us going, oh, whoo, that's not a problem. We go, oh my gosh, that's such a big problem. And then we spend so much time and mental energy fixating on that problem. And because we are doing that, we're keeping our stress hormones moving in our body and we're keeping this um, adrenaline level going until we hit our crash point where we can't sustain and our cortisol climbs and we have all kinds of health issues tied to that cortisol climb. And so what I would say to you is it is okay to acknowledge this really sucks. This is really bad. But again, think about it, your hand on a stove, like, right. You wouldn't leave your hand on the stove for more than 90 seconds. As soon as you're like, oh, this is really could, could hurt me, could cause me to have to, to go to the hospital, or I could maybe lose my feeling in my fingers because I'm going to do too much damage. Of course you would pull it away. Well, our, our negative emotions are that same way. We want to pull away not to pretend that stove isn't hot. Yeah, the stove is hot. Yes, that negative thing really happened to you. But so that thing happened. Now can I get into my prefrontal cortex, the rational part of my brain and say, okay, so now that that's happened, what do I want to have next? Instead of allowing our reptilian brain to keep us spiraling in the emotion of negativity. I, is that helpful? Ask me a second question. Well, I think it is very helpful. I always think of that, uh, like the moment from Gone with the Wind, when Scarlett O'Hara says, when Clark Gable leaves the room, she says, I'll think about it tomorrow. And I think you need to let the tears flow, if the time is for tears to flow, because as you said, we have to allow our emotions to go out and not squeeze them when you want to cry cry and um, let it go uh, but also in this moment when we are overwhelmed with negative emotions it's very detrimental to take it make a decision i would strongly advise to sleep on it yeah and and, and let's make a distinction too because there's a difference between the grief process and then just, you know, everyday tribulation. So if you, um, if you're grieving the loss of a job or the loss of a promotion opportunity, or you're grieving, um, in, in your case, the loss of an animal, I mean, the grief is its own thing and you need to really allow that emotion in that grief. You're not necessarily stepping away from that too early is not the correct thing to do. But that is a very different thing than you come into work and your boss pulls you into the office and yells at you because you did something that, that he or she didn't like. And then you obsess over that for days and days and days. That's the kind of negativity that we want to find a different path away from because first of all don't give somebody that much of your mind share um you know and two staying in the woe is me conversation or that wasn't fair or whatever it is isn't getting you to any place productive it's just keeping you stuck and nobody like i mean you nobody's it's you can't be happy you can't move forward when you're stuck in that place. So our goal here is to help you get to a place where you can say, okay, so um, what, what do I need to learn from this? What do I need to do from this? I mean, is this, 
just is, is my boss wrong? Do I need to take more data back to them? Do I need to just understand this? Do I need to have a follow-up conversation? So you want to get to a place where you are taking an action that feels like you're moving forward and that you're not just spinning. But let's distinguish that from grief. And for those of you that have lost jobs or um, have maybe taken a demotion because of all the, the changes going on in your workplace, that's a different grief process. I'm happy to talk to you offline about that. But those are not the situations that I'm talking about when I'm saying 90 seconds, remove your hand. Mm. Absolutely. Now, um, we tend to, I mean, I'm looking at my mother and she tends to overanalyze the negative things. So, as you said, in that moment, you have to kind of stop thinking about the negative and move on because usually others don't understand what's the big deal, right? And mm. also, you know, you may still dwingo about somebody said something and that still resonates deeply or hurt you deeply but usually people say something without deep meaning um so rita what would be the number one advice how to create the positive mindset is there a daily routine like in the morning how to wake up with the right food I, I think the real practice and, and the example of your mom was a great one for um, I'm glad you asked that, this question and gave that example so we can talk about this. Um, one of the sayings that I love that I strongly believe in is this. People only complain about things they care about. So if you are stuck in this conversation, like your mother, you know, stuck in this place of examining something that's happened, the path past that is to ask yourself this simple question. Why does that matter so much to me? Hmm. And you just could you can just go through several iterations of that. So why does that matter? You know, my boss, yeah, why does that matter so much to me? Um, well, I, I don't like to be yelled at. That that makes me feel, you know, like I'm a school child again and I don't like that feeling. And um, okay, that's good. That's good. So there's there's a thing here about the way you want to be treated in the workplace. Good. Let's hold on to that idea. Why why else does it matter to to you? Well, I I don't feel like I'm responsible for what happened in this situation. I, I, I think I'm being held accountable for something that doesn't have anything to do with what I could control in this situation. So now you're beginning to navigate, you're beginning to create your mental map. You're, and sometimes it's helpful to do this with another person of, okay, so what are my values? What do I really care about? about and, and what's happening here, because then you know what you need to ask for. So you don't maybe want to go debate whether why your boss yelled at you, but maybe it's worthwhile to go back and have a conversation about, um, you know, I'd really like to understand more about how you see my role being responsible for this or having contributed to this, because I'm trying to learn from the situation, but I, you know, I'm not, I'm not getting there myself. And then, you know, as you repair the relationship, talking about that, 
then you might get to the place where you even get to have that conversation about, you know, it's, it, it, I find that I tend to shut down when somebody raises their voice at me. And it's important that I understand the feedback you're trying to give me. So it would, you know, if I could make the request, I, it would be helpful if um, you could not speak in such a harsh tone or not speak so loudly or whatever, you know, not yell so loudly, whatever it might be. Um, it takes a while to get to a place maybe where you're comfortable to begin to set those boundaries with somebody, especially who has power over you. But the pathway is so simple. And the pathway is, why am I so upset? What, what really matters to me here? Well, it comes to a simple um, quotation that we like to use on our positivity hacks delivered. If you don't like something, change it. If you can't change it, change your attitude. Now, we have a couple of um, lots of, actually, lots of terms here, and uh, we've gone through negative bias. And now I wanted to ask you about the fail up. Tell us mm. how to fail up. I love this 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 combination, which I completely stole from Oprah Winfrey. So hats off to Oprah Winfrey. She talks about teaching this to the girls in her school in South Africa. But the idea behind failing up is that failure is not this catastrophic. I, I, I've seen a lot of conversation on LinkedIn, for example. We should abandon your socially laden. But, but if you look it up in the dictionary, Failure simply means to attempt to do something and not have it complete the way that you wanted. It just didn't work out. It's, it's, it's really not this deeply emotionally laden thing that we sometimes make it to be. And so the whole idea that Oprah shared is all of us are going to have tons of times in our life when we try things that don't work out the way that we intended them. But how do we take the wisdom from that moment and carry it forward with us so that we're smarter about the next thing that we try? And I think that is a beautiful way to think about your career, about your life in business, not berating yourself for your imperfection but recognizing your imperfections and those moments when things don't work out as this golden lesson you can carry forward with you into the future. Hmm. And would you advise speaking openly about your, your failures? I don't think we should hide from our failures. I think there's, there is a practice that has become very commonplace through social media of um, talking about hardship and failures. And um, there was a bit of a backlash about this. For example, um, a CEO of a small company who talked about um, terminating employees when the, his business went through downturn and he was in tears and he got quite a bit of backlash about that and um, about, you know, calling all the emotional focus to himself versus his employees was the basic, you know, centering himself in that moment versus focusing on his team when he could have been making an ask for people to help find jobs for his team or something that would have been beneficial to them. So I, I, I don't think that you, that you hide from them, but I think you also want to be thoughtful about how you put things out and what your intention 
is. And I don't think he had a bad intention. I don't think he was trying to center himself. I think it was a learning moment. It was instructive on many levels. The conversation, the beautiful moment that we are in socially is that you don't have to be perfect. And we embrace the imperfection now. And we almost distrust when things are too polished and too perfect. So I think more of the issue is the story inside our own minds versus what's really going to happen. Another great hack that you can use when you're in this turmoil is to ask yourself, what's the story I'm telling myself? And so when you are, um, when you're in a moment where you're disappointed with how things are happening for you and you maybe are feeling that moment of failure and you're feeling very down on yourself, ask yourself, like, what's the story I'm telling myself? And, um, in, don't be afraid to share and talk that through with other people. Maybe you need to get a new lens on the story. Maybe you're being much tougher on yourself, um, or anticipating a level of, of, criticism that really would not be present were you to be willing to talk more openly about that. We have another comment from Tosca Di Matteo. I like to use the phrase learn forward. I think I like another quotation um, that I like to use, which is one life, no regrets. As you mentioned, we need to remember about uh, saving our energy and definitely saving our energy for positive things in our life is more productive. Now, um, another comment from Tosca. I think there was an opportunity for that CEO to take responsibility and acknowledging the impact that wrong turns have on, other on others versus, as you said, Rita, center himself. Absolutely. I agree with that. Um, Rita. Right. And you know, it's a classic where he was stuck and he was sharing from his place of, this is a really hard day. This is feeling so negative about this. And that po show up po positive moment was to flip that on its side and say, what do my, what does my team need? What else could, how could I be, how else could I be helpful to them? in this moment right so um and this is where it's it's a learning thing that we all go through so i don't want to overly criticize him i think he was having a real moment about his experience but it's a great example of of being caught in your negative emotion versus being able to flip that turn it's on its side and take this negative experience that you're going through and dig a little deeper to find a way to um, do something positive to impact that in a positive direction. Absolutely. I also would suggest that we have to have a lot of empathy when you're just thinking about ourselves, our own problems, because, you know, life is not hunky-dory. There is not always silver lining. Jane is saying, totally agree to embrace imperfection. Do you think people who get used to negativity is a sort of an abuse? 
I, I think in the workplace, it most definitely can be that thing. I, I think that there are many examples. Um, I, I, there was just a quote that I saw recently, Jane, um, from the movie The Devil Wears Prada. And clearly the Miranda character right um was a very was very negative in her attitude toward people at work and it was a form of abuse and i don't think that that was pretend i think that there are that was based on examples of many executives in corporations that have those kinds of attitudes that um, really do permeate and and that's where toxic cultures come from in workplaces um, they can also come from individuals just in teams. You can have a toxic team because you have a single individual who really just brings that negative attitude all the time. But the other thing I've really been reflecting on, uh, Jane, is this question of do we perpetuate and give power to? So when we start to tell our coworkers stories about this leader, oh, that person's really difficult or that's do we begin to build this folklore that we all buy into and in that way sort of perpetuate it? And so if we, um, instead of buying into it, if we chose to band together and demonstrate what we wanted our team to be like that was different than that, what impact might that have? So that's a new question I'm contemplating as I'm thinking about the next series and show up positive. And I would love to hear your thoughts about that. We'd love to hear more thoughts about that. We are, though, mindful of the time passing. Let's focus on another question, because I wonder, Rita, what is your take on that? Some scholars, including Dr. Martin Seligman, believe that sometimes you need to be rather pessimistic to become more action-oriented. What's your take on that? I Yes, I Martin Seligman is the founder of Positive Psychology, um, which I I am a huge proponent of. It's it's such a different lens on how we think about the world of psychology. And um, the best language I've recently acquired about this is, you know, there is there's a difference between our inner critic who's very negative and just telling us all of the negative stuff about ourselves and other people all the time, whispering in the back of our mind and our inner sage who is discerning of situations. So we must acknowledge when things are problematic, we must acknowledge when things are wrong, but there's a difference between just our inner critic who is just running off at, at, at a thousand miles a minute and this inner wisdom sage person that is looking at that situation and is being more thoughtful and discerning. And that's what I think Martin Seligman was talking about is that you, you can't, it's not the rose colored glasses. That's where the toxic positivity comes from. You've got to see the world as it is. You've got to face reality as it is. And then you have to be discerning about the things that are truly problematic because we do live in an imperfect world and we as human beings are imperfect. And so we can't make perfection the standard. And, and that's what our inner critic often does is wants to make that the standard, which is, is unattainable. So we, we need to tap into that sage within ourselves that is more discerning about that. 
We've got lots of questions. I'm sorry to stop you from telling us about um, uh, these things. But before we go into question, I'd like to bring you quotation from Racy, who's yeah, or listening to our show. You don't have to be the best at something. You just have to be the most determined, as Lauren Burns says. Now, let's go into Olga Vasina's question. If you have a single or series of toxic team members, do you rebuild or change the team members or change those people's attitudes, for, attitudes first? Uh, well, thank you for the question, Olga. I do this work quite a bit with teams. I call it culture repair. And what is often the case is if you have been very thoughtful about inviting people into the team, and if you have had experiences with those team members where they've not been the negative, um, toxic members that they are currently be behaving as, then we definitely want to do the culture repair work and work to get people back into this more positive and productive mindset. And it is possible to do that. And we do that through a lot of the conversations that we've already talked about. We, we get people tapped back into what has meaning for them. What purpose do they care about? Um, where, what brings joy to them in the workplace when we can get reconnected to that and we can begin to step our pathway back to that. It can go very quickly actually. And the team can sort of, um, very honestly and authentically uh, just get reconnected and recommitted by their in experiences that they create with one another in the way that that engages the whole. If somebody is newly brought into the team and it was a mishire, then take care of that really quickly. Like, you know, cut, cut your losses before they do too much destruction. But there's always a sort of a space to say, hey, this is how we treat one another. This is the experience that we want to have as a team. We often forget that teams have to reform every time you add new members. So as a best practice, what I recommend to my clients is that when you have new team members come in, you actually carve out some time during that onboarding to talk about, hey, this is how we like to operate as a team. These are some of our norms. This is the way we treat one another. These are the behaviors that are out of bounds inside of our team and invite them to connect to that, to add to that, to talk about their experiences with that and to self-identify. I mean, ideally you're doing some of this before you ever hire them. So you're testing for culture fit in the interview. But if that is not happening, then cut your losses quickly. Absolutely. Fire fast as the startup mantra goes. Olga says, fabulous discussion, discussion very engaging, Rita and Beata. Tosca is saying, I think positivity is also about helping others see pathways that they can't see for themselves. This isn't about toxic positivity, as you say, Rita. It's about expanding the view beyond the negative perspective that may be the go-to automatic go-to now another question from tosca what would you say uh, to folks who may be those cheerleaders and positive influencers who may be shamed for it in the workplace for that kind of attitude 
I think you, again, start from what's true to you, because if, if somebody is, is challenging you or trying to shame you, but you can talk in a very authentic way about what you care about and why it matters to you to behave the way that you're choosing to behave, then most of the time you win the authenticity card that you need for people to let go of that conversation. Uh, people are likely telling us you are putting on a front or a mask or brown arms for that. That's where the problem lies is what they're, what they're attributing the story they're attributing to your motivation. So if you can have a deeper conversation about that, um, you can usually find a connection point. Um, but if it, if it's not really authentic to you, if you are just pretending, you're going to discover that. And that's then the opportunity to say, well, if, if I really were authentically feeling this way, what would have to be true? And how could I begin to create that? Because at the, at the core, what I believe and teach in Show Up Positive is if you live in an organization, you get to be an architect of that culture. Every person, every day, through the experiences that they create with others around them, create the culture. It gets built or it gets, um, you know, it's like a, a, the Jenga game or you're pulling blocks out or you're putting them in. It gets built or it gets destroyed a little bit every day based on the experiences that people create just in how they engage with one another. So be thoughtful about who you show up to be and what you bring into that culture with you. Well, in startup world, as they say, fuck-ups happen every day. I hope <laughs> I'm not going to be censored. So that comes to a great uh, quotation by Eleanor Roosevelt, who said, women are like tea bags. We don't know our true strength until we are in hot water. So question to you, Rita, how do you behave in hot water? How are you brewing? Ah, that's a great question. I I think I am finding new depths. I mean, I have I've definitely put with with writing the book last year, launching it in June, and choosing to declare out loud that I didn't want to just release a book. I wanted to start a movement to really create a different kind of workplace where people were being mindful architects of their culture and standing in their own wisdom and power about that. I have definitely put myself into um, the hot water in a different way, but I'm finding a lot of depth in myself. And, um, and then I'm also finding a lot of people that want to be a part of that tea that we're brewing together. So that's very exciting. Well, it's almost like a Japanese culture of matcha tea. You <laughs> take a lot of preparation. That's definitely uh, transpires from what you're saying. So talk about the number one book you can sit and think, oh, I wish I read before I started my entrepreneurial journey, Rita. Well, I'm going to be selfish, but, you know, it's my book. <laughs> For me, it is it is my book because I, I learned so much. I, I talk about this in the book, but I really came up through organizational psychology and learned that the people at the top of the organization were the most important people. 
And what I have done with Show Up Positive is I have turned that upside down. And I've really come to an understanding, a much deeper, more pragmatic understanding of the power of individuals in the workplace to create and have what they want. Yes, you operate in a system. Yes, you have leaders above you. But workers do have an amazing strength to create what they want and to really benefit one another because of that level of interaction every day. And I wish that I wouldn't have spent so many of my early years in corporate America sacrificing things that I valued to fit in and to try to play the game um, to, to the masters at the top of the organization. I wish I would have been more mindful and um, really leaned in more to my coworkers and our power because that is really something that, I, I mean, there's just so much more we could have done. I could just see so much more possibility in terms of what we brought into the organization and the impact that we had if we weren't all caught up in the game of trying to please the top of the organization. Well, we have to be mindful of time that we have our at our hand, whether we are trying to fix the past or whether we are trying to make a positive future. Rita, let's talk about, can you please give us your life lesson quote and how did it change you? Um, my life lesson quote. Oh, I don't even remember what my life lesson quote is. I'm sorry. I'm, oh, I, you, that's you, fine. I'm prepared, uh, Rita. Um, and I have in front of me Peter Block. Your yes oh. means nothing if you can't say no. Thank you for the prompt. I'm sorry. I just completely blanked out. Yes, that is absolutely one of my favorite of all time quotes. I say it to everybody. Your yes means nothing if you can't say no. And you really got to take a moment sometimes and, and understand what that means. But it what that means is that if the only answer you ever allow yourself to give is yes, if the only answer that's ever allowed in your workplace culture is yes, it's inauthentic, it's incomplete. The power is in our ability to say no. And no is not a negative thing. As Peter says, it's the start of a great conversation. And um, I think our fear of, of conflict, our fear of not being completely aligned or 100% in sync is a false fear. It is a story that we tell ourselves that underestimates our, our potential as humans to construct community that is valuable together. Beautiful, Rita. Um, we are heading towards the end of our show. I wanted to ask you if you could travel anywhere in the world to meet anybody and have private breakfast uh, anywhere in the world. Who would you choose as your partner for a private breakfast and where would you go to? I think I would have to go with Oprah. I'm, I'm sure you hear that over and over and over again. 
Um, but you know, I'm at this interesting place in my life. I'm, I've started the show a positive movement. I'm trying to, to take it around the world. And, you know, Oprah is a woman who has done this work over and over and over again. She has launched so many ideas and so many people behind those ideas. And if I could have a conversation and glean any of her wisdom to really me be more effective in helping people get connected to the movement and really understand the power that that would generate for them. That would be the, the greatest gift I could imagine at this moment. Well, if you're positive, I'm sure you will have that opportunity. I'll tell you more. You probably, your book will be standing next to Oprah's books someday. Um, you just have to go to a bookstore and put it together. Now, Rita, it's been emotional. It's been very good show, um, especially given the fact that we are part of your movement. We are trying to uh, bring some positivity hacks today. I believe we managed to have lots of comments and uh, lots of positive thinking. And as always, um, if you can't change something, change your attitude and to stay updated and ensure you never miss a positivity hack delivered, you need to follow Woman on IT and turn on notifications to be alerted once the video has been released. Now, I, I would like to encourage you all to tune in for next week's episode. We are going to talk with Chen Odeski, a very young lady uh, who is joining us from Israel. Speaking of startups, nations, uh, it's definitely going to be another positivity hugs delivered and i would like to thank our lovely commentators today uh, jane tosca and olga it's been really great to hear your stories and your thoughts on the positive thinking rita i believe you inspired us all to show up positive and as always, our positivity quote comes from positive thinking only and goes, look for something positive in each day, even if some days you have to look a little harder. If you don't like something, change it. As Amaya Angelo says, if you can't change it, change your uh, attitude. Today is your day to hack the future, hack the positivity you want. Thank you, Rita. Thank you, everyone. See you next week.